Hey there, welcome to the one-on-one podcast. My name is Puya Ansari, I'm your host, I'm here with my co-host, Blake John. Blake, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I just got my undergraduate degree, I'm feeling on top of the world, you know, life couldn't be better. I like that. That's dope. So, right now you're just kind of hanging out, chilling, unwinding. I I remember finishing school, you could be really burnt out from just going to class and constantly having to do that i mean man i did a two-thirds of a victory lap because you know we're on the quarter system so i was in school nine months after i was mentally prepared to be in school right so that was it was rough for me and i just i'm just not a big fan of school so i'm using these next few weeks while i'm applying for jobs to just unwind and just do some things i've been meaning to do i just went to oregon with my family um we visited the university of oregon for my brother Who's, who might go there and try to walk onto the football team. So we kind That's of, awesome. Yeah, we kind of used that as a uh, dual, you know, college scouting and family trip. And then next week we're going to Arizona. And before that, I'm actually going to road trip up to SF. So I'm trying to do a bunch of traveling and just get silly. That's fun. Before I hit that nine to five. Yeah, I know. I've uh, For me personally, I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time. And you and I, we constantly just have some good conversations. I think we we have a lot of common ground, but we also, I think, bring different perspectives to the table. Oh, yeah. So that's why I thought this was a pretty cool idea. So I'm pretty jacked that this this moment is finally here. I'm stoked, dude. It's been a long time coming. Wait, so you were you were at you were in Oregon, you were in Portland, right? Yeah. And that's where the Nike headquarters are. Oh, so yeah. you you got to do that whole tour I think I saw on Snapchat. Yeah, one of my buddies uh Justin Justin Chan works for Nike up in Portland. He works at the headquarters. Uh, I think he does finance for them. And, uh, yeah, I got to Portland, and I kind of hit him up last minute, and he told me, yo, like, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. I can give you a tour, suggest food, restaurants, and everything. Um, he told us to check out Multnomah Falls, which is probably the highlight of the weekend. Beautiful trip. Um, probably 20 minutes away from Portland. It's a massive waterfall, and there's, like, a kind of like a, a range of waterfalls that you can go check out. So if anybody's ever in Portland, definitely go check out Multnomah Waterfalls. But um, yeah, other than that, Justin gave us a tour of uh, the Nike headquarters, and he also gave us a tour and allowed us to have access into the employee store. Everything was 50% off. Oh, so snap. That's dope. We got hooked up. That's cool, man. I've, I've heard a lot about Portland. I think generally the Northwest America, because I went to Seattle last year, and I think it's a little underrated. That whole area, oh, yeah. it doesn't get enough love. It's slept on. I mean, it's, there's no sunlight out there. What yeah, can you expect? It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty low key. Kind of could be kind of hipster, but it's cool. Yeah. I really enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I, I hope to find myself in Portland one of these days. Yeah, next time I'm up there, I'm trying to check out Seattle. Okay, so so today's podcast is going to be about we're going to talk about more life, which is the new Drake project. Mm-hmm. I know we had a lot of thought about what was going on with that whole thing. Then we're going to talk about some NBA stuff, um, you know, MVP, the awards, the season's wrapping up, so we'll have some good discussion about that. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about some more life. Um, personally, I'm pretty happy we're doing this two weeks later because I think sometimes there's the tendency, I wrote about this too, where, you know, you have this, you have this thing where you just want to 
judge the album off of first listen or, you know, even a day later when right now I feel like both of us, we've been bumping it, we've been playing it in the car, playing it in the earphones. We know it back and forth. We know the track list. So we can kind of, we have some solid opinions on it. I trust our opinions right now. Yeah, I mean, More Life for me has been on repeat since March 18th. And uh, I know this sounds cliche, but Drake did it again, folks. That's that's just how I feel about it. I, I see, I was thinking about it today, and I think like a Drake project to me is almost like, nowadays is like buying new shoes, you know? When it comes out, and then when it's time to buy new shoes, you just go buy new shoes and you wear them, you know? It's almost mm-hmm. like, it's just natural that you just listen to it, especially if you're a fan of his, which we both are, and a lot of people are. So are you saying that's kind of a little too routine to like a negative it's, extent? I just want to say it's routine. I wouldn't say it's negative, but it is routine because he's had a crazy run, like seven years or even longer, maybe eight now. And it is it has been become routine, especially now that he's dropping a little bit more frequently than he was earlier in his mm-hmm. year in his career. So but it, it's fine. Like we'll talk about it. It's it's a I enjoyed it myself. It's it's playing in my car too. Oh yeah. Um so I really enjoy it. Let's get into the top five. Let's top do a top five, five, top five list. Top five. Okay. You have that ready? Ready to go? I think I do. It's gonna be a good one. All right. Hit me with your top five. First, we'll go into it. Like you'll say your top five, then I'll say my top five. Then we'll talk about our the differences, similarities, stuff like that. All right. So, my top five honestly has been changing since March since March eighteenth when the album originally dropped. But as of right now, I got Blem at number one. Okay. I got Portland at number two. Wow. I got Teenage Fever at number three. Wow. Four four two. Okay. At number four. Okay, okay. And I got Gal Chester. Wow. At number five. Okay, so <laughs> none of your top five is the same as my top five, which is really? kind of fun. Yeah. I guess but so. I will say that some of those songs, like recently, Gal Chester has been playing. But if I'm going to look at it, I got to look at it holistically. I can't just look at the songs that I've been listening to the past couple of days. I got to look at it from day one to now. What were my five favorite tracks that's kind of how i'm looking but it is constantly changing Mm -hmm. and that's because the it's a playlist right so there's so much versatility and there's so many different styles of music that it's constantly changing some songs will kind of hit you a little later so the top five is constantly changing my top five is um so at number one i have nothing's into somethings i love that track um number two i have free smoke which is which is pretty pretty nice pretty nice, he's getting some bars off on there. At three I have passion fruit. At four I have sacrifices, which I have some interesting thoughts about. And then at five I have do not disturb. Okay. So these five songs have I feel like consistently from from beginning to end have been my favorites. I'd say I just love them. They're really? sick. So let's get into. Teenage Fever, because that's that's like your R&B record that's your favorite, and then mine is Nothing's Into Something. So what is about Teenage Fever that you love? Is it the sample, probably, if I could it's, guess? It has, that's, it has to be. I mean, honestly... That J-Lo? One of, the, one of my favorite things about Drake is that he stays in tune, and he stays in tune with the 90s, and I feel like he's 
on a subconscious mission to never let that era die. And uh, I believe the the sample that he used on Teenage Fever was 2001. Is that, is that correct? Something like that. I'm but not sure. either way, I mean, J-Lo is just a 90s gem, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that alone, I just think the hook on that song, it's, it's it just it. does it for me. Yeah. I mean, it's great. So, I love Nothing's Into Somethings a lot. We talked about this. It's supposedly about Serena Williams. So, I like that it has that real life context to it, whereas Teenage Fever could be about somebody but we don't necessarily know it's a little ambiguous but the fact that nothing's into something's is something tangible something that maybe we've heard about you know it's kind of cool to me is it is it about serena williams though i mean i feel like that's a little bit of a reach it could be but that's the that's the it's allegedly i guess we'll say it's allegedly about serena williams i mean for so i'll pretend like it is because uh, every other song drake does it's like about a, a female or relationship I just assume he's talking about Rihanna. It just makes the song more funny oh, yeah. and better. Same here. Yeah, it's good. Um, so I want to talk about Passion Fruit too. Did you like this song? It See, didn't make the top five, but it was pretty popular though. Passion Fruit, for like a lot of the people that I talk to and ask for the opinions, is a lot of people's favorite songs. And when you look on the list of like iTunes or Spotify... It's I think it's, it's I think it's the it. top song on the album, right? That one in Portland were t- debut top yeah, ten. I think Passion Passion Fruit's on the radio too. Yeah, next to um, um. Hold on, let me ask you this: Free Smoke. Do you think? Do you like Hold On, We're Going Home, and like Find Your Love and Best I Ever Had? These are like Drake full pop, and that's how I look at Passion Fruit. It's kind of just a full Drake doing pop. Is you know? it though? I mean, best I ever had, and hold on, we're going home. I feel like those have a little more pop or a little more like bounce in them. Passion fruit is just very mellow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's different flavors of pop, but I guess what my point is, it, they're just full on. They're not trying to be anything else. I just feel like they they're doing what they meant to be, and that's like climbing charts, pretty much, and kind of just being really catchy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. So that's interesting. It kind of passion fruit reminds me of like a kind of. It makes me feel something, you know? It makes me feel like I'm sitting at a spa. I got a fruity drink to my left, you know? Like, I'm sun tanning. I, I have the cucumbers over my eyes, you know? It gives me... I don't know. It just gives me a certain feeling, and the beat is definitely a big part of it. I can't say I relate, unfortunately, but... Yeah. I mean... Maybe it'll hit you later. Maybe possibly. it's not yet. What What'd you think of Sacrifices? Sacrifices was uh, actually one of the... Songs I had trouble not putting in the top five. Honorary mention? Definitely honorary mention. Okay. Um, again, Drake did it with the hook. I think that hook is kind of comparable to uh, a song that I loved on Drake's last album, which was Still Here. The hook's very simple. Kind of lazy. Yeah, but it's yeah. just hypnotic. It's good. It's catchy. Yeah. yeah, you just you memorize the hook after your first or second time listening to the song. So. I agree. I think what I love about the song, first off, it's a T-minus beat. T-minus was a producer early on in Drake's career. He did some stuff on Thank Me Later. I think he did Up All Night with Nicki. And then on Take Care, he did a few kind of classics like Underground Kings. He did um, Make Me Proud, which was decent. Mm. I think he did Heifer, too. So he's got a good little resume, and he's done stuff for other artists. 
So, and then he took a little hiatus. So he wasn't on Nothing Was The Same. He wasn't on Too Late. He wasn't on Views. He wasn't on um, really? The Future Project. Yeah. So he kind of took a hiatus. Now he was back. He did Sacrifices. He did Blam too, which is your number one. Hey, Look shout at out that. T-minus. Shout out T-minus. And he just killed it. And I have a sweet spot for beats that have kind of like a soft melody with piano kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And especially with this whole trap. 808s filled, hi-hat filled kind of rap that we're listening to these days, he kind of brings in a different flavor, and I kind of appreciate that. Um, The other thing I love about this song is it kind of reminded me of Black Hippie when they do a song together with 2 Chains and Thugger. Because, okay, hear me out. Because it sounds kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, okay. So if you notice on like Vice City... Can you have that kind of playing in your head? Yeah, great song. All those rappers on it are doing the same flow, but they all bring their own flavor. So it sounds okay. different, but it's the same flow. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's like, you know what I'm talking I about? I think that's what Drake did with this album. And uh, I was actually thinking of a remix he did today, uh, Versace with Migos, and he imitated their flow. So I feel like with that, that kind of theme, I think that was kind of like the... Uh, that was the purpose of this album was for Drake to kind of put his own twist on songs that are already existing. Yeah, he he's he's done that a lot in the past for sure, and he kind of like sometimes makes songs better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I would say off, a lot of times he does make songs better, but I just love this song because you know Two Chains, Drake, Thug. So Young Thug is usually you can't really even understand what he's saying. Yeah. But on this track, I think everybody when they first heard it was like, "Who's this? Is that really Young Thug?" That was definitely my reaction, and um, he killed it. Yeah, Jeffrey's doing his thing, thing, man. Yeah, I might have to go back and listen to all those because he drops a lot of music, so yeah. I haven't heard a lot of it, but pretty happy about it. Um, any any other songs on your top five that you want to? point out or you have anything interesting to say about them or you just i mean for as long as i've known you you've been the guru of drake you've known i mean everything from the type of underwear drake eats to like his food allergies so while we're talking about production and t-minus i want to ask you who did who produced portland because that b is just i mean i can't words can't describe how i feel about that b it's this whole flute thing it's this flute mask off oh my god and um Ladies and gentlemen, the flu is in right now. And Big Amount. Big Amount has a flu too. Yes, and guess you're right, what? You're right. I think all three are different producers. So really? it might be a little trend. Portland is produced by this kid named Murder, Murder Beats. Oh, Murder on the Beats. Yeah, nice. exactly. Okay. He did a few tracks on here. He's done some for Gucci. He did um, that Gucci Drake song, Both. Okay. So he's getting a lot of placement. He, he has other songs with Gucci and... Um, He's done some other. He's done some stuff with Party Next Door. He did uh, "I'm With You" on the Views. Okay. He did that one. He has a, f- a few others on Views too. I wow. think hype. So he's Ooh, he's recently, hype was nice. He's a uh, he's this he's this guy from he's from Canada, and I think he he was affiliated with Party Next Door, and that's how he kind of got his in. But okay. he's been dropping fire. I personally I like Portland, but once Drake stops you know then i'm not really into it and i'm a fan of quavo and travis scott i like them but i don't know if this song really does it for me what do you i mean what is what's is it missing yeah maybe what i need you to like spend about it, more. it i i think that i just was turned off from it like the first few listens and then i just like kind of stopped listening to it so 
You know what you need to do? You need to do what I did this past weekend. Travel to Portland and really experience the song. Because that's when... That's when you really get ingrained in the song and Maybe. what it's supposed to be. Why is it called Portland? Is there a reason for that or just... Um, well, I actually saw a tweet by Travis Scott and the reason I asked you about the production was because the production on this, the beat actually gave me a lot of Travis Scott vibes. So I assumed originally that it was a Travis Scott beat, but um, I guess it wasn't. But I saw that Portland was Travis Scott's favorite destination to visit on Maybe Twitter recently. He uh, tweeted that before the song came out, so... Maybe he did have something to do with like the orchestration or like some kind of DJ Khaled role within making the song. Maybe where he's not really on the boards, but you know he's kind of calling the shots. I know he and Quavo had been making music, so mm. maybe this was kind of a leftover from that, or kind of like Drake was like, "Hey, I want a song with you guys," and it just kind of happened. But I'm I appreciate the song. Because I enjoy all three kind of collaborators, but maybe I need to just give the song more listens. Maybe I, I also really like the the whole flute vibe. I hope it kind of continues. It's pretty cool. I just and wanted the, to ask uh, one I, last question on Pat or Portland. Um, so you said Murder Beats was the producer, right? Yeah. Would you consider Murder Beats to be somebody part of like the OVO sweatshop, quote unquote? Uh... I think he can be at times, like when it's album making time, he's definitely just churning out those beats. But I I think at the same time, he also ventures out and gives beats to Gucci. And like, I could definitely see him being on a future Travis Scott album and probably other rap artists who kind of have a similar vibe as him. So he's definitely born from OVO, but I think he can venture off and have a pretty successful solo career too okay. even without those placements gotcha. but it's good hey so i want to talk about favorite guests who was your favorite guest on this record i know you had 4422 in your top five mm-hmm. so does that mean sanfa gets the nod on this yeah one? i mean it's got to be sanfa um that song even though it had nothing to do with drake just strikes a chord of me um all the way from top to bottom with the the lyrics the vocals, the production, everything else is great on that song. And you know, that's what gives this record a uh, or this project a playlist feel because there are some songs where Drake really isn't even on it. He's not on that one. Even the um, Get It Together song, mm-hmm. he's like basically says two lyrics, you know, the whole time. Um, so that's what kind of gives it a playlist feel is that Drake is there, but sometimes he's not even there, you know, oh, yeah. just like the Sanford record. But that's cool. My favorite guest is uh, Young Thug. I just love that verse. How do you feel about Ice Melts? Uh, I have an issue with the mixing on Ice Melts. Mm. I don't think it sounds that good. When Drake comes in and he's like, I see like 1017. I don't know. I I think it had potential to be a good song, but it it doesn't fly too much for me. You heard it here first. That song is going to be a banger at the end of spring, entering summer. It's going to be all over the radio. It might be a late bloomer. It's going to be a late bloomer. I don't like it as much either, but I feel like they made it for radio purposes. They may may need to uh, remix that one or something. Possibly. It's kind of weird. Hey, so let's talk about views versus more life. Because this is a subject that we kind of have gotten into plenty of times. I kind of want to talk about the expectation discrepancy because... 
lately I've been getting these feelings that people are kind of just tossing views to the bushes a little. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm, I'm seriously not okay with that because in my opinion, more life is a little bit better than views, more consistent. Yeah, a lot a bit better, possibly. Possibly, I sure. A lot a bit better. But I think <laughs> they are cut from the same cloth, okay? And I'll put it to you like this. Views had this expectation behind it that it was going to be classic and it was going to be Drake's best album and he was coming off the beef with Meek Mill and it was like, you know, that whole thing. So the hype for Views was sky high. Mm-hmm. It was like the first album that they released on like the radio, Apple Radio, or that might have been what a time. But anyways, there were a lot. Of, there was a lot of hype behind it, okay? But More Life kind of being labeled as a playlist, it didn't have that same hype. So the expectations... There was a discrepancy there with the expectations. So I feel like that's what held views back. But at the same time, I'm I'm willing to admit that the rapping on More Life is definitely better than views. What do you think about that? I definitely agree. And um, if you go back to the podcast or the interview that Drake released prior to the release of uh, More Life, he did talk about how the rapping on views wasn't too sincere because he was at a kind of an insecure place due to all the ghostwriting allegations, right? So I believe that more life, you kind of see Drake, uh, he feels more free and he's more, he's more just back to himself. More life gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of old school Drake vibes. I think a lot of day ones would appreciate more life more so. No, I agree. I agree. And the bars on more life are a lot better. The rapping is better, but my issue is I wish that those songs were on views because of the time sensitivity. It's just, I, a lot of the songs on more life. Like, Can't Have Everything, Lose You. They they turn sour for me as soon as I realize he starts talking about Meek Mill again, you know? Mm-hmm. Because the whole Meek Mill thing went down summer 2015, you know? And yeah. we're approaching summer 2017 now. Yeah, he's so gonna it's, get over that. it's a little bit outdated and it kind of, it doesn't, I don't want to say it ruins the songs for me, but I'm just like not as interested anymore about him rapping about Meek Mill. I understand that it affected him. And it made him feel, you know, a certain way about the industry and how people are fake and people are out to get him. But that whole narrative is just a little bit outdated for me. You know, I want to hear him talk about some new stuff. And I think that's why I really like Nothing's in a Somethings because it's an R&B record. And that's just like always relatable, almost. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. I think, I mean, let me ask you a question. Could it be that Drake has possibly ran out of things to talk about? He could. We, we've talked about this because, to, so think about this. He's been rapping semi-popularly. In 2008, he was kind of popular. He had that Replacement Girl track, but no one really knew about him. And then in 09, that was when he blew up Best so I far ran. gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he said a lot of stuff, you know, from yeah. then until now. And a lot of stuff in the public, and it's been scrutinized, and lyrics, especially things being on Rap Genius, everything's accessible lyrically. So, yeah, it, it, it is hard to come up with new topics, and that's why I think Drake should just make a full R&B record. That's, like, my... I think that'd be a pretty interesting... Uh, that'd be a pretty interesting... It'd be bold. Term. He needs a bold move. And I, I've told you this before. I feel like he needs, yeah. a, he needs a bold move, and he needs to stop pleasing people. That's why you're replacing him with uh, Frank Ocean recently, huh? Yeah, maybe. It's because of that bold blonde, bold blonde album? Yeah, I mean, but... I don't know. Kanye is the same. You know, he's been experimental in his career. So I, I hope 
I hope Drake reaches that point. And even with Beyonce, like Beyonce had a lot of pop records, you know, single ladies. And now she's reached a point where she dropped like formation and then, you know, which is a pretty pop record, but it still has a, you know, some heaviness to it, you know? And I hope Drake reaches that point. And I think as he gets older, he will, because you just won't be able to make the same records over and over. It's going to get stale. But I really enjoyed Views for what it was, you know? Um, I think there's a lot of good stuff going on on Views. It's a good playlist, you know, to listen to in the car. You know, I've been bumping it in the gym. It's been good in that aspect. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there are also places where I'm like, you know, this could be better than what it was. But I think it was was more of a strategic thing. Drake also did this with... uh, it's too late where he didn't even let us know he was dropping a mixtape. He dropped that and kind of talked about it, referred to it as like the throwaways from uh, Nothing Was the Same, but you definitely know he put in some Albert effort, album effort just to make that. And I think he did the same with More Life. He downplayed it, but he definitely focused and put the effort in to make the redemption for views because I think most people would agree, like More Life is a superior project. It's, it's a superior product, and I mean... Drake hears, Drake listens, you know. Drake's not naive to the fan base's opinions. Oh, yeah. I think Drake is, one of his strong suits is that he's just so self-aware of public opinion, opinions of him, which kind of, it can be a fault, too, because when you kind of just don't give a fuck and you're just, like, doing whatever you want, you know, it's kind of a little bit more free. Mm-hmm. But I think he's he's reached an area where he's kind of balances what he wants to do. Like, he does the kind of dance hall records, And, you know, I think he's realizing he's going to get criticized for anything. And which, that's what makes him very LeBron-like, you know? Is that there's so much scrutiny, but you can't really deny the greatness at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I think what you are asking for from Drake in terms of, like, a pivot into maybe, like, an experimental realm for Drake to make his uh, Yeezus or his Blonde, I think he's trying to do that with the dancehall. And I think that... It's really foreign to people, and a lot of people are writing it off as him just biting the style, maybe appropriating it. And just but doing and trying to be pop, yeah. I think that's his that's his pivot is the dance hall. No, so. the I really disagree with the appropriation stuff because that's just how diverse Toronto is, you know. Definitely. And that's his background. So he has friends who are Caribbean. He has friends who are, you know, a lot of UK friends now too with Skepta and all those guys. So he he's not he wears his influences on his sleeve and he doesn't really care about that whole appropriation thing. True. You know, but I I personally I think the difference there is Drake is being is doing influential music, like stuff that he's influenced by, whereas Kanye is kind of just doing something brand new almost, you know? Or mm-hmm. you know, it's maybe not brand new, but it's like new for what it is. Even like to Pimp a Butterfly, for example. Yeah. That was, like, labeled experimental with all oh, the yeah. jazz. and But he wasn't the first person to incorporate jazz and funk into rap, you know? Most Def was doing that. Outkast was doing that. But it was new for its time period, you know? And I guess the dancehall stuff is new. But, but because it's so pop still and it kind of makes you want to dance, I guess, it, it doesn't get viewed as experimental almost. Agreed. When... You know, that's kind of an unfair scrutiny, too, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. I think the thing with Drake, um, this probably limits him in terms of his creativity and his ability to, like, expand, is the fact that 
his production and of everything he gives to his fans is so team oriented. And in that, like going back to the OVO sweatshop, a lot of the things Drake does relies upon I don't know how true or untrue this is, but like the ghost writers, the beat makers, the you know, sound technicians, the editors. Like Drake isn't necessarily a one man army, whereas somebody like Kanye, who does a lot of the production the production just from you know, from scratch by himself. Um, in addition to Kendrick, who does a lot of the writing, right, all by himself. So with that respect, I think it's hard for Drake to be experimental when he relies on so many people. Yeah. I mean, they say Kanye relies on people, too, um, especially lately. Like, the life of Pablo is pretty collaborative, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, early on in Kanye's career, I think he had a more hands-on, especially with the production side of things. So I, I agree with that. I think Drake is more... When you think of Drake, you think of the one man but in reality there's 40 there's oliver there's all these guys who are so instrumental to the process you know and just creating the ovo brand so Mm -hmm. you know we'll see he said the summary 2018 so we're gonna get another album we'll see that's gonna be interesting he's also um hosting the first nba awards have you heard about this i've heard a little bit yeah june 26 2017 there are there's going to be the first NBA awards where they do MVP all that stuff and it's hosted by Drake um and it's kind of copying the style of the NFL cuz the NFL has the NFL Honors show where they get somebody to host and they do all the awards and stuff like that but this is going to be even after the draft cuz i believe the draft is June 23rd okay so it's going to be way after the finals are done and the draft is over and it's going to be kind of like a show and you know, Drake did the ESPYs. Did you ever see him do that? It was yeah. 2014. Those were great. He he's, actually, I think he has a feature in front of the camera. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's starting his own show, actually, in uh, in London. He's going to be starring in a show that he uh, kind of owns, right? Top Boy, yeah. Top Boy. It's going to be I interesting. To see I haven't that. seen Top Boy, but I, I heard about him doing that. I, I don't know when it's going to release. I didn't really look too much into it. I don't even know if they've started making it. I, yeah. just, kinda, I just read up on it yesterday. That's kind of crazy. So, yeah. Drake behind the camera, good stuff. Um, but so the NBA awards are going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I know that the NBA season is wrapping up. So we have, I think five more games, most teams, four or five more games. Yeah. So seating is still not wrapped up yet. Mm -hmm. MVP race is low key, not even wrapped up yet, but kind of maybe historic. Yeah. It's kind of absolutely historic. It's a crazy year this year and we'll get into it. Um, just like, more life. I wanted to see what is your top five MVP candidates right now because I think this is an interesting question this year, especially because there's so many great candidates. You know, last year it was just like okay, it's Steph Curry and he won. Um, you know, he won all the votes. So this year it's going to be a little bit more split up. You know, so mm-hmm. I kind of want to because, you know, whoever your number five is is almost important too from mm-hmm. a recognition standpoint. It's Definitely. like, if you made the top five MVP race this year, you had a pretty damn good season. You know, oh, yeah. you did a good job. I mean, So let's hear it. What's going on? So we're just going to do this like the top five from the uh, album? Yeah, we'll go top five, and then I know that the Harden-Westbrook combo is going to come up, so we'll get into that too. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a little uh, ascension to the climax. So I'm going to start at number five. Okay, okay, I like that. I got John Wall at number five. Okay, okay. Y'all are going to be annoyed at me, but 
I got Westbrook at four. Oh, I got wow. Westbrook at four. I'm sorry. That's a edgy kind of. Yeah, that's a hot take. Yeah, it burns. I can hear. I can feel the burn from here. You know, it's it's rough. It was hard to make the decision. Wow. I got Kawhi at three. Okay. Wow. Okay. LeBron at two. And I got James Harden. James Harden at one. At number one. All right. So my list is Simular a little bit. I have John Wall at number five. Okay. I have Kawhi at four. I have LeBron at three. I have Westbrook at two. And I have Harden at one. So our list isn't that much different. And I honestly don't think it'll be... I think your Westbrook at four is a little bit of a... It's kind of crazy because I feel like I've been hating on Westbrook a lot. And now for you to put him at four, that's kind of wild. Break that down. Well, I mean... All right. So this goes without saying. LeBron has been the MVP every single year since, what, 2010, 11? Some right. people might even say 2008. I mean, it's it's it'll just be pretty repetitive and you know redundant to talk about how good LeBron is. And, His greatness is just yeah. undeniable. I mean, the, at the end of the day, the reason he's not MVP this year, next year, or last year is because of voter fatigue. I mean, I think we could all agree on that. That's true. Um, so Westbrook at number four. I guess I should just talk about the three people above him. Okay, break that down. So, I believe that one of the crucial things for an MVP is to make their team better. I don't think... To make their teammates better. Not the team, but their teammates. Regardless of, you know, the career high in assists that Westbrook's averaging. Or is it the second? I think it's the career high in assists. For him? For yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see his effect positively like you know i don't see it translating to his teammates i just feel like westbrook's a one-man wrecking show and i just feel like you know if you look at someone like james harden he's turned eric gordon into you know top five three-point shooter ryan anderson's having a great season ariza's you know always been a consistent player he's doing things nana is I don't even know how old, you know, 73. Patrick Beverly's having a pretty good season for yeah. three, too, yeah. And what's it, Clint Capella as well. I mean, James Harden's kind of turning nothings into somethings. Low-key. You know? So, I mean, you know. You know, I think that Drake plug in. when you look at Harden right now and you look at the Rockets, you're like, huh, yeah, of course the Rockets are top three. But I don't think in the beginning of the season people thought Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, Sam Decker even, these guys were going to really pan out and just be ballers, you know? They Not, barely made the eight seed last year. Yeah. You know? So maybe that's that, that might have something to do with yeah. that. And then also I had Kawhi above uh, Westbrook, and I think that just goes to the load that Kawhi's taken on this year as opposed to last year. Um, Kawhi's effectiveness on the defensive end. I mean, Kawhi, honestly, a lot of people are sleeping on Kawhi, but I feel like he's elevated his game to a very crucial level offensively that we're going to see in the playoffs in crunch time. And, you know, I just don't think that Westbrook is, despite the historic numbers, I mean, it's hard to, I can't take anything away from that, but I just can't think of any valid reason why Westbrook's better than Kawhi, LeBron, or Harden in terms of MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me personally... I have Kawhi at four, mostly because he's he's done a lot to carry his team, but in a way he's also has that kind of Tim Duncan situation where he's very in a very nurtured environment, you mm-hmm. know, and he's got some pretty good teammates, you know, Patty Mills, very he's got some good defensive teammates, and he has Powell, 
And I just think that him being on the Spurs um, has has given him an opportunity to just be great, you know? And he has been great, especially the fact that he's probably the best perimeter defender and he's also carrying a lot offensively, which is just like he's doing crazy things. But I think that night in, night out, he's just not there yet on a consistent level. I think next year is his next step, you know? We've seen Kawhi kind of progress crazily you know we saw kind of flashes of what he could be in the nba finals where he won the mvp mm-hmm. against lebron yeah and yeah he's just uh he's a great player though i love him but i think he's gonna have a a better a better shot in the next few years i think it's just hard for me to to just completely leave westbrook out because what he's doing is making a crazy physical season you know, and okay, I want to say his triple double stats are a little overrated. Definitely, dude's chasing rebounds. So I I did I did an interesting research that I think would be pretty cool. This was some good investigative work. I looked up the rebounding stats for the NBA, and I wanted to see how many of Westbrook's rebounds are uncontested. And he leads the league in uncontested rebounds. Oh, yeah. He leads the league. He's got 8.6 rebounds. He averages 10.7. So he pretty much gets two um, uncontested rebounds or two contested rebounds per game. So you're telling me 80% of his rebounds are essentially bullshit. Are uncontested. But a lot of players' rebounds are uncontested, though. Most of them are above 50%, I think. Mm -hmm. But the difference is he has... A really high percentage, 80%. That's, like, crazy. Yeah. And ultimately, that's the difference between him and James Harden and LeBron is mm-hmm. are those two rebounds, you know? James Harden averages eight rebounds. LeBron also averages eight rebounds. So are we really just going to look at Le- uh, Westbrook getting two more uncontested rebounds and saying, wow, that's historic triple-double situation and just, like, kind of overrating that? It's ridiculous. I disagree with that. So... That's the reason why I can't give him MVP, and it's just not a sustainable way of winning. You know, historically, MVP has gone to a top three seed Mm -hmm. player, and the reason that is is because they want to give the MVP to a player who has a chance of winning the title. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you don't think James Harden can win the title, he still has an opportunity. You know, even if you think it's Cavs, Warriors, you know, there's still a slim chance. You know, something can happen. Anything can happen. It's the NBA playoffs. So um, that's crazy, you know, and I I think James Harden is going to pull away with this one. Yeah, for sure. You can go down the list, you know, six to seven deep of MVP candidates. And, you know, you can have seven names, not including Westbrook. All seven of those names are going to have a better chance at contending than Westbrook. So historically, you can't give him the MVP. Because yeah. his team is so... If Westbrook gets the MVP, this will be the most... You know, the furthest team from contending with an MVP. Yeah. And, I mean, if you want to break history, go ahead. But history repeats itself. And so. let's be honest about something. Because I felt like, personally, Steven Adams was a player with a lot of potential. Oh, yeah. Okay? But he's he's being held back slightly by Westbrook kind of doing everything and just all the dump-offs and... You know, Adams has kind of become a DeAndre Jordan type player where he's kind of just cleaning up the glass and doing kind of little things like that, which Mm -hmm. is super helpful for the team. Mm -hmm. And that's in a way what the big man has been reduced to in today's NBA. But still, you know, I think he he had a lot of room to grow, but I don't think he's going to be able to. 
And Westbrook, his decision to re re-sign and extend when he didn't have to yet, when he wasn't his contract wasn't up, it was just such a loyal move that it's like his teammates love him for it. And yeah. I, I totally understand it. And I don't know if you've seen those Enos Cantor. Um, oh yeah, I've seen that. Those seen uh, those commercials. commercials, the MVP commercials. So in a way, it's just hard to deny that he is uh, that they're moving out of the way for his rebounds and stuff like that. Like they want him to get the triple exactly double because they're not competing for the title. So they might as well, you know, have some have their guy get get some historic uh, context to this yeah. season. But you know, ultimately, we're gonna remember this season because of all the media hype behind the triple doubles and today he actually just tied Oscar Robertson with 41 oh, against really? the he got Bucks. It today? Yeah, he got it today. Wow. So, I don't know, man. It's going to go down in history, but I th- I think it's overrated and anybody who looks at this uncontested rebound stat, I just don't see how you can look at that and say he that's the reason why he should be MVP, you know? Harden and LeBron are basically having more efficient seasons and pretty much doing almost the same thing. You know, and LeBron as a forward is averaging almost nine assists, which is just like unheard of. Yeah, exactly. So are we going to say because he has nine assists and not 10 assists that it's like just somehow less impressive? Like it's still really impressive what LeBron's doing. Yeah, I mean, you've heard this plenty of places. People, we're just programmed as humans to have this obsession with round numbers and that's what Westbrook's doing. That might be it. Yeah. But uh, when you when you look at the first ever recorded season of a triple double average, Oscar Robinson, he didn't even win MVP that year. So, I mean, the first season that somebody ever averaged a triple-double is obviously more impressive than Westbrook, who's essentially repeating history, but also breaking history because of the number of triple-doubles. But the fact that they were able to give somebody else the MVP award over Oscar Robinson, even though he averaged, you know, the same amount. I mean, he averaged the triple-double, the first ever triple-double, just goes to show that there's more to basketball than just the numbers. So, I mean, I don't think it would do the MVP award justice to give Westbrook the... uh, the award this yeah, year. it would definitely be an outlier decision. I also want to uh, bring up an interesting point to kind of close this whole case. And it was unexpected for Westbrook to be the leader of this team this year mm-hmm. because of Durant leaving. You know, I think they they had plans for him to come back. And, you know, they didn't have – I mean, they had a, basically a full offseason to get people, you know, around Westbrook. But, you know, they did what they could do, you know, and yeah. then they traded for Todd Gibson and – you know, they traded a uh, campaign array, campaign away. Um, but I really believe in the Thunder front office. You know, they lost Harden. They lost Durant. You know, they had some really great players. They lost Sergi Baca. But I think if Westbrook stays there, they should have a couple years to get some key players around Westbrook. And if he can adjust his game and kind of let other people take the load too. And so when he if he's not having a great game, you know, they're still a dangerous team kind of situation. Can he though? Can he adjust his game? He can, you know, who knows? Westbrook is one of like the most stubborn players in the league. He is, but if he gets a second option, like let's say if he gets like a Blake Griffin, he's not going to be able to do what he does. He has to share those touches, you know? Blake I Griffin mean, is not Victor Oladipo. He you did know? have a KD. He did. But, you know, maybe this year taught him something. I don't know. He, oh, I hope so, because that would be too much talent to just not, you know, get any playoff success. Yeah, it is. So I hope we haven't seen peak accomplishment Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I could see him down the road in his career having like a Jason Kidd type ending where he's kind of a veteran, lost some athleticism, 
and he's just kind of jumps on a, a team that's like kind of hot and you know just catches fire and he he has a solid role mm-hmm. on a on a team and he wins a championship that way but him as the lead man the way that he's going right now and all the load and the usage rate that he's putting up it's just not going to work especially in a seven game series you know where the opponent is the same um for multiple games so we'll see what happens you know i'm i'm really interested to see what the thunder do because sam presti is pretty smart guy you know he's he's really great in the draft and i i honestly would trust him if i was one of his players you see i think you make an interesting point but i also wanted to kind of take note of the players and the uh the personnel that okc has lost you have scott brooks who left to washington they fired him i mean where's washington now they're they're a threat in the east you know they're killing it a lot of people have them as the one team that threatens lebron um, Durant obviously has, been, has more success in Golden State for obvious reasons. Serge Ibaka, I think, is doing better mm-hmm. in Toronto. You have Reggie Jackson, you know, doing better in Detroit. And obviously, you know, you have to attribute some of their success to, like, their current situations. But I just think that the Thunder have let go of so many players, especially James Harden and the coach, to where they're having better success when they, like, you know, Move away from the organization or move away from Westbrook. So maybe they have a little Clipper curse going on. That's what it's starting to look like. You know, they're going to have to maybe move back to Seattle or something and shake that off. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see if they attract any free agents with having Westbrook. Maybe, I don't know. I I don't know what. Griffin rumbles. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if player. I don't really know. I know a lot of players look at what Westbrook's doing this year and they're just like, man, I can't believe it. But I don't know how that's going to translate into. Wow, I can't believe it. He's doing crazy things. Into, oh, okay, I want to go. I want to sign with the Thunder because I want to play next to that He's guy. He's not that guy. That James Harden is that guy. We'll see. We'll see. I guess yeah. only the future will tell. Um, okay, we have some other awards here. We have like Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year. Do you have any crazy thoughts about these? I think some of these are pretty. Rookie of the Year is kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know what's going I mean, on with that. This is also a controversial one, but how can you not give it to Embiid? Oh, snap. He can, yeah, he played 30 games. I get it. But this dude was robbed. I'm, I'm not trying to... I mean, I, I'm going to pull the sympathy card. This dude was robbed of two years of his dream career from injury. Comes out, kills it. Probably a... I mean, I think he played like a top five center in the league. Okay, hold as on. A rookie. So what do you have to say about the idea that because he was playing such low minutes and how rested he was, he was able to just kind of go off you know do you think that helped him a little bit because other guys were 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 playing from the beginning and they were playing you know 30 35 minutes i mean the fact i mean what he was able to do with that like limited amount of time was phenomenal yeah you can't really take that away from him you can't take what he did away but he just unfortunately he didn't play enough yeah i mean that's what it comes down to realistically and that's i feel like that's one of the main knocks on lebron you know, not getting MVPs. Maybe the resting. He's stuff, not. Yeah. yeah, he's resting, and you know, he's not. Yeah, coming let's out there not to go down that there. road. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like we could That's talk crazy. all day about yeah. LeBron. So but, uh, he actually, your pick um, endorses Dario Sharich. Oh yeah, he's, his teammate. He's been killing. He's him. a young baller too, and you know my my kind of dark horse pick is Malcolm Brogdon. I was actually going to say that. He's a young baller, too, but the Bucks they just don't get too many national games, and it's kind of just all Giannis right now. But he slept on. 
He is slept on. He's crazy. And he had a, I don't remember who, I think they were playing the Celtics. He had some crazy stat line. I think he had like 10 assists in that game. And the, the Bucks actually beat the Celtics a few days ago. So he had a great game. I feel like the rookies this year are having great stretches. Even like Brandon Ingram, like we, we support the Lakers yeah. here in Southern, sunny Southern California. But Brandon Ingram, since the All-Star break, has been playing pretty lights out. I think he's averaging like 15 points a game and his, uh, he's starting his to get percentages that dog are a little better. Yeah. I'm glad he's starting to get that dog in him. Yeah, I, he, was ve- he was playing very... He was, he was very much deferring earlier in the year, kind oh, yeah. of just staying perimeter. And I love that Luke gave him the ball and said, you take it up, you know, because it forces him to engage in the playing and what's going on in mm-hmm. that possession. So what about uh, what about Coach of the Year? What do you think about that one? Coach of the Year, I mean, you have to give it to Scott Brooks. Wow. You have to. Okay. I mean, if you look at where the Wizards were last year and where they are now and how they started this season, they started this season – was it? I think it was historically low for that franchise. It was. It was, it was pretty bad. I think they were like two and eight. Yeah, but yeah. after the All Star break, the way they've turned it around, and I mean, and they're not a deep team at all. Mm, yeah, not too much. I mean, John Wall's play, I mean, has been unfortunately masked by you know the historic play of Westbrook and uh, Harden, but John Wall. I He's mean, balling. any other season, I think that's a that's a top three MVP candidate, and, and that's why I picked him over like it because yeah. it. He's such an incredible scorer, but, but what else? beyond that, he kind of fits into the Celtics system. You know, he's a great passer, too. And what he's done in the fourth quarter, especially in the months of, I think, like January, February, he was just doing some crazy stuff, averaging like 10 points in the fourth quarter, which is crazy. But he's defensively, he's a liability. Anybody can back him down. Anybody can shoot over him. You know, that's an unfortunate reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. But... I don't want to take anything away from IT, but John Wall, a more well-rounded game, a more instinctive passer, makes his team a little bit better, I think, you know? Yeah. You'd be um, a fool to say that John Wall does less than IT. I mean, come on. For the team, John Wall is way more important for the Wizards than IT is for the Celtics. Yeah, and if the Celtics, because they have Brooklyn's pick, so if they get like a Markel Fultz or something, or even Lonzo... I don't know That'll what really happens with that. That's a kind of interesting thing because this was Isaiah's breakout year. That would be mad know, disrespectful to IT. We'll see what happens, man. I mean, if you get the one pick, what are you going to do? Draft like Josh Jackson? or I think you got to go with Tatum at Duke. Because the Celtics definitely need Celtics? some defense and they need some rebounding. So you don't think you take like Fultz? The... I mean, just are you just going to scrap Isaiah? Are you just going to scrap IT? I don't know, man. We'll see. That's I mean, the another. Celtics are trying to win right now. They're not trying to develop anybody. Yeah. So I think what they're going to do, if they do draft Fultz or Ball or whoever it may be, or if they don't even draft at all, I think they're going to try to deal with that pick. Yeah. You know, right before the draft, maybe. Could be and pick up Paul George or I know Jimmy's gone, maybe. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think Jimmy's gone. All right. We went down a rabbit hole there. Coach of the year for me. I think it may go to D'Antoni, to be honest with you, because mm. he had a couple stints like New York and then the Lakers, which were pretty awful. But once he found his spot and now he's like running his system of James Harden, you take over, everything flows through you, 53s a game in some cases, which is unheard of, um, but definitely reflective of today's NBA. Scott Brooks is awesome too. And you know what Spo has done? It's craziness. I actually forgot about him. So listen to this, okay? They started 11 and 30. 11 and 30. And right now they're 37 and 40. That's 26 and 10, the last 36 games. Is that the best team in the league since the All-Star break? 
I don't know. I don't know about all that. I know. Um, I'm not sure about that. They're up but there for sure. They're up there because 26 and 10. That's a definitely a 50 game win pace. You know. Yeah. So. Them versus the Cavs first round could be potentially super fun. Mm, no, no, no. That's that's fantasy talk. I mean, it's good for ratings, but we're talking about LeBron. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'd just say it. I think the Cavs also struggling a little bit. I think it'd be a closer series than what it looks like on paper, for sure. You're saying over or under five games? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it went six. Mm. Because six can be convincing win, too. You know, yeah, you definitely. You, you maybe steal one on the road and you win one at home. You know, that could happen. If they go to six, I mean, shouts out to Spolster. That's... Yeah, and they're going to have to play a lot of minutes too. But I don't know. If they won in five or even swept, I wouldn't even be surprised. I feel like that's kind of a series that's so entertaining, possibly, that anything can kind of happen. And Waiters, you know, Waiters Island is kind of craziness <laughs> over there. Yeah, you know? Waiters Island is He's just He just has this crazy confidence. He'll shoot anything and he wants to be the guy at the end of the game and, you know. You got Dragic over there, who's, who's having a pretty decent season too, and Hassan Whiteside is is killer too. You yeah. know on the boards. I think so. the playoffs might be too big for Waiters Island. It might get to his head because you know that's that's the stage. That's what you live for, and I think he's just gonna try to, you know, elevate himself to. Because that's where you make your name for yourself is the playoffs. True. So I think he's gonna try to take advantage of that, to the detriment of the team. We'll but, see. Well, yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be we'll interesting. See. All right, to wrap it up, I want to talk about the Tankathon because right now it's extremely close race to second to last place between the Lakers and the Suns. The Lakers had a costly win against Memphis, which yeah, might come back to Jesus, bite them in the man. ass. Uh, D'Angelo had a pretty good game, though. I think he scored like 28 points or something like that. But I hope we keep him, honestly. I love D'Angelo. He's cool. He's good. People need um, to get over the Nick Young and Iggy Azalea beef, but D'Angelo is the boy. So what do you think? Are we going to edge out the Suns? Because the Suns and the Lakers actually have a similar last uh, few games. The Suns are playing the Warriors, Thunder, Mavs, and Kings. We're playing Spurs, Kings, T-Wolves, Pelicans, Warriors. So honestly, I feel like both teams can lose every one of those games. Maybe the Kings, one of Lakers or Suns. Lakers beat the Warriors for sure. Maybe, yeah, you they know, might be resting, you too. You know how that is, yeah. Because Lakers beat Warriors for sure. The Suns are playing the Warriors tomorrow, I believe. So, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. I hope I hope it works out for the Lakers because we, we need somebody else, maybe. Regardless, I'm a, uh, I'm a pretty big conspiracy guy, and I just don't think the NBA wants, you know, one of their marquee franchises to suck for that long. So, even if they do get, you know, the third worst record instead of the second... Because obviously no one's beating Brooklyn. I believe that uh, they're gonna roll those balls. But then if on you the get the third night. pick, then what are you? You know? No, nah, I think they're getting they're getting the top two pick. You, you think know? so? Yeah, they they have the third. If they if they finish third to last, they're gonna have like you know the third, like no, yeah, the third likeliest chance to get but, the first pick. But if they get the third pick, what do you do with that? Because you have Lonzo and Markel. You package going that for sucker. With one of our four rookies and or one of our four lottery picks, and you trade that shit. Dang, that's what okay. you got to do. Well, we'll see what happens. It's definitely going to be an interesting couple weeks. We'll definitely, hopefully, be back for the playoffs. Oh yeah, I'm we're looking gonna forward we're to gonna it. have some good times there. I'm looking forward um, to it. You've been watching the one on one podcast with Puya and Blake. This was a lot of fun, Blake. 
I love talking uh, yeah, man. music and sports. So it's the beginning of something great. Yeah, I believe so too. Uh, tell tell everyone where they can find you though, Blake. I know you you recently deleted your Twitter, which I was very disappointed in. Yeah, I'm still had to do. You'll that be back. School, you know, you'll be if back. If I had that Twitter on, you know, I might not have graduated. Yeah, <laughs> I got some I got some problems with social media. To be honest with you guys, but. Okay, let's let hit us with your Snapchat because I know you're you're ready. So you can find me on Snapchat, uh, all lowercase b l a k e underscore j o h n, and you can find me on Instagram at Blakers two underscores. Okay, all lowercase. So uh, hit your boy up. I got some good shit from time to time. You know, it's fun. Some people tell me my stories are funny, so I'd like to. I like that. I like that. I like to think so. Uh, I'm on Twitter. That's probably the one social media that I use most just because it's a it's a cool I'm not gonna get into that, but it's a lot of fun. I'm at at the real Ansar, the real A N S A R. We also have a podcast email where podcast one on one at gmail.com. If you guys want to hit us up, tell us anything, questions, whatever. We're down for anything, feedback, anything. Um Podcast one on one at gmail.com. And um, those are all numbers, by the way, not the word one. Podcast one on one at gmail. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yo, I want to do uh, one last shout out. If you guys haven't checked out already, please go peep OC Mac on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash O S I M A C. And also peep my boy, The Real Ansar. He has an album out on SoundCloud. Uh, it's called We're Almost There. Very slept on. My personal favorite is uh, Cruise Control. So you guys should definitely check that out. Yeah, we'll see. We, we're going to have OC Mac on here, though. Oh, yeah, we're going to yeah. have some guests coming on because this podcast is called One-on-One, but we're going to have some Two-on-One because sometimes me and Blake, we disagree on things and we just got to get things settled. You yeah, know what I'm so, saying? Yeah, we got to get that second person to decide which side they're going to be on. But All yeah, right. go check that out. iTunes, SoundCloud. Thanks Apple Music. Thanks a lot, Blake. Appreciate it. Thanks, Puya. <laughs>